I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning and join me once again in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we will continue walking our way through this series on the Lord's Prayer. We have uh, been in this series for about four weeks now, week five. We will finish it up next week, Lord willing, week six. And uh, I hope that it's been encouraging to you as we have walked through and looked at Jesus' response when his disciples asked, teach us to pray. How do we do that? How should we pray? What does this look like as we approach God seeking to have communion with him and fellowship with him in prayer? I don't know if you've ever experienced this as a parent, but I dare say you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially if you have more than one child in your home. There comes a point where one of them commits some type of treacherous act against the other sibling, right? And you as a parent step in and you look at the child who's committed the act and you say, you need to apologize to your brother or to your sister. To which the child likely does something like this. Sorry. You're like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. From your heart, you need to apologize. You need to mean it. And then maybe you get, sorry. It's funny that it's difficult often to ask for forgiveness. Even for us as adults, it's often difficult to ask for forgiveness, to admit when we've wronged someone. But it's also difficult as well to extend forgiveness. It's difficult for us to extend forgiveness to people that have committed sins against us and in our estimation probably shouldn't be forgiven. And so this morning as we come to the text, what I want us to recognize that as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, this idea of forgiveness, both forgiveness that we've received from God and then forgiveness that we extend to others is a key aspect of the Lord's Prayer. And not only that, what we're going to find out as well that really nowhere else does Jesus emphasize any of what he's covered in the Lord's Prayer more in depth, except this issue of forgiveness that we're going to see in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and then Jesus in verses 14 and 15 is going to unpack that even further. In fact, offer some commentary on what he says there in the prayer. And so this morning, as we prepare to walk through the text, I want to read once again Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, walking through verse 15. And then this morning, we're going to focus in on verse 12 and verses 14 and 15. This is what God's Word says. And when you pray, 
You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we've been walking our way through the Lord's Prayer, these verses that we just read The very first week in this series, we talked about the posture of prayer. How do we come to God in prayer? Verses 5 through 8, we focused in that prayer is not a performance, that the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought that. They thought prayer was primarily getting everybody to look at you, look at the way this person prays, look how gifted they are, how amazing they are. But Jesus says that's not the purpose of prayer, in fact, Prayer is a private communion, a private relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus also said in that, that prayer is not about ritualistic words that are said. That the pagans of Jesus' day, thinking that their God would hear them only if they recited the right words or said them over and over and over again, Jesus said, that's not necessary when we approach our Heavenly Father because He knows what we need before we even ask Him. And then we looked at verse 9 and considered the privilege of prayer. The fact that we have the opportunity to approach the God of the universe who spoke all of creation into existence, we have the opportunity to come before his throne because we are his children. On the basis of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us, we have the privilege of coming to the God of the universe as our heavenly father, the privilege of giving him the honor that is due his name. And not only did we see that in verse 9, but in verse 10, we talked about the purpose of prayer. That prayer is not primarily, what can I get out of God? Prayer is not primarily coming to God as a cosmic vending machine and thinking that if we press the right buttons, we're going to get what we want from Him. 
That prayer is primarily us aligning ourselves with what God is already doing, us aligning ourselves with his will and his purpose, both in this world and in our lives personally. And then last week we saw the plea of prayer, the reality that we are totally and utterly dependent on the Lord both for our daily needs, but also ultimately for the bread of life, Jesus Christ himself. We are desperately in need every single day of him. And then we come this week to verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want us to look this morning at the pardon of prayer. If you're taking notes, you can write down this main idea that will frame our time together in the text this morning, verse 12 and verses 14 and 15. It's this truth. In prayer, we have the ability to experience deep fellowship with God. God's desire is for us to experience intimacy, deep fellowship with Him that we would experience him as our heavenly father, that we would experience that type of relationship. And if you remember with Jesus' disciples, they weren't primarily interested in Jesus teaching them how to perform miracles, Jesus teaching them how to walk on water. They were struck by the intimacy, by the fellowship that Jesus had with his heavenly father to the point that when they could have asked Jesus for anything, They said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to experience communion, fellowship with our heavenly father like you experience it with your heavenly father. And as part of that, Jesus says in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want you to notice the first truth in this first part of the phrase, forgive us our debts. This is what we recognize and see as Jesus is unpacking for us what this looks like to have intimate relationship with our heavenly father. And it's this reality, unconfessed sin hinders our fellowship with God while daily confession of sin enhances our fellowship with God with God. Unconfessed sin in the life of a believer is going to hinder our fellowship with God. But daily confession of sin in the life of a believer is going to enhance our fellowship with God. Jesus therefore says in verse 12, as we pray, we should say, Forgive us our debts. As we come to our Heavenly Father, we should recognize and understand that if there is unconfessed sin in our life as a believer, it will hinder our fellowship with God. Now, when we back up and take survey of the Lord's Prayer, of the teaching of Scripture, here's something that we need to keep in mind. When we talk about this issue of salvation, 
We said this in the very first part of the prayer. As we come to God, we say our Father on the basis of our relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf. We said then that when God looks at us, He sees us as He sees His Son Jesus, perfectly righteous, not because of what we've done, but ultimately because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. So when we talk about salvation, there's several aspects that we need to understand, theologically speaking, when we come to the issue of salvation. There's really three aspects of it. One is what we just talked about. We call this justification, meaning we have been declared righteous before God on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for us, meaning that all of our sins have been forgiven. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we don't have to wonder whether or not our sins are forgiven. We have the assurance that we are declared justified by what Jesus Christ did on the cross on our behalf. So we are justified before God. We are declared righteous before God. But there's also an aspect of salvation that we need to understand as well, and that's called sanctification. It's the process of God through His Holy Spirit at work in our life to make us look more and more like Jesus every single day. And then ultimately, our salvation will be fully realized at glorification. When we experience the fullness of our salvation in the presence of our Savior. But for us as believers, we're in the meantime. We're in the sanctification aspect of salvation in our lives where the Holy Spirit of God is chipping away at our hearts and molding and shaping and making us look more and more like Jesus every single day. And what that reminds us is that every single one of us, even as believers, have sin that is present in our lives. The sin that Jesus paid for, the sin that we've been declared righteous as a result of, it is still present and we still struggle with it in our lives as believers. So look around you this morning. Every single person that you see is a person who struggles with sin. You may not talk about that much in church, right? We do at North River. Because every single one of us struggles with sin in our lives. And what we recognize and understand is that sin that is unconfessed in our lives is going to hinder our relationship with the Lord. So Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples here and teaching us how to pray, says we should take sin seriously in our lives as believers and recognize that it hinders our fellowship with God. So then, what do we do? Well, we do what Jesus says here. We confess our sin to our heavenly Father who loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to pay for our sins. So we come to the Lord and we recognize and understand that if there's unconfessed sin in our lives, then we need to deal with that before him. We should be very quick as followers of Jesus to confess our sin to the Lord. Instead of hiding as a result of shame, instead of simply trying to cover it up, sweep it underneath the rug, we should be quick to come to the Lord when we sin and say, God, I know that this is wrong. I know that this falls short of your standard. And here's what I also know. Your son Jesus paid for that sin. 
And I want to confess that sin and claim the forgiveness that's mine through Jesus Christ. I want that relationship to be restored. I want that fellowship to be restored with you. I'm pretty confident this morning that for those of us who are believers, that there is sin that is unconfessed this morning in our lives. And I dare say that there are some of us who had we taken that step and confessed that sin that is present in our lives would be further along in our relationship with the Lord than we are right now, but that is the hindrance that is preventing spiritual growth in our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning to do what Jesus lays out for us here at the first part of verse 12. Simply come to the Lord and ask his forgiveness for that sin. You say, but pastor, I've already received forgiveness because of what Jesus has done. It's settled. Yes, it's settled. But practically, in terms of your fellowship with the Lord, it needs to be confessed today. This very well may be the opportunity for you to confess that sin to the Lord that is hindering your fellowship, your growth spiritually with him. I also want to recognize and see that this idea of debt should remind us that it is Jesus Christ who paid for our debt of sin. Once and for all, the lamb sacrificed before the foundation of the world that Jesus Christ took your sin and my sin upon himself and we owed a debt to God as a result of our sin and Jesus Christ took that debt upon himself and paid the debt that we owed. Forgive us our debts. I'm going to try to drive this home for you this morning. I want you to imagine with me, if you're married today, that on your wedding day, you said to your spouse, I just want you to know, I love you. Makes sense, right? But then five years down the road, your spouse comes to you and says, I know when we got married, you told me that you loved me. Why have you never said it again? And you simply looked at your spouse and said, well, I never changed my mind. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. It would be absurd, wouldn't it? And yet, what I want us to recognize is the same thing holds true for us in our relationship with God. That yes, our sins have been forgiven. We've been declared justified before God. But if we never come to the Lord acknowledging our sin and confessing our sin, do we really truly grasp that it is that which separates us from God. And in the life of a believer, it is that which hinders our fellowship 
with Him. Here's the good news. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness, John reminds us. We have the privilege this morning of coming to the Lord and asking His forgiveness for the sin that is in our lives, agreeing with Him, experiencing fellowship and intimacy with Him like we should. Also, I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't stop by simply saying, in prayer, we should come to God and seek His forgiveness for our sin. Notice this next phrase. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, that just took a turn, didn't it? God, I desire that you would forgive me as I'm forgiving those who have committed sin against me. I want you to notice the second truth, and Jesus in verses 14 and 15 is going to highlight this even further. But it's this truth, withholding forgiveness from others also hinders our fellowship with God. While extending forgiveness towards others enhances our fellowship with God. So our own sin has the potential to hinder our fellowship with God if it's not confessed. But also, if we're unwilling to extend forgiveness to those who have sinned against us, it hinders our relationship, our fellowship with the Lord. You know, it's interesting that I think verse 12, the first part, may be a little more easy to grasp. I mean, we've experienced the forgiveness of God, and so we look at that and go, it makes sense that we would seek God's forgiveness. But what about when it comes time for us to forgive others? When it comes time for us to extend to others the same forgiveness that we've received from God. In fact, it's interesting, Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 has an interaction with Peter. And I love Peter because Peter just says what he's thinking. Peter, in his mind, as Jesus is talking about forgiveness, is thinking, I want the gold star today. So he says to Jesus in the context of the conversation about forgiveness, hey, Jesus, what if I was willing to forgive someone seven times? And I think as soon as he probably said that, he thought, I'm waiting for my pat on the back from Jesus. He's going to be impressed with that. I mean, forgive somebody once, forgive them twice, seven times. And Jesus says, how about 70 times seven? I can imagine in that moment that Peter takes a step back and thinks, yeah, I don't know about that. But then Jesus tells a story. And he says, there was a king, and there was a man who owed a debt to this king. 
And it was a substantial sum of money that he owed to this king. Let's just put it in dollars we would understand. $10 million he owes the king. And the king calls this man in and says to the man, you owe me $10 million. And as a result of you not paying me, I'm going to throw you and your family into prison, into debtor's prison, so that you will have to work until you pay this off. And the man pleads with the king, and he says, there's no way that I can do that. Just have mercy on me. And the king is so moved that he extends mercy to this man and graciously forgives the man's debt. Ten million dollars wiped away. The man leaves the presence of the king having been forgiven $10 million of debt. And he's walking along the street and he sees this man. And Jesus said he grabs this man who owed him the equivalent in the grand scheme of $10 million he owed the king about $10. And he grabs this man and he says, pay me what you owe me. I don't know about you, but wouldn't you have thought he would have said something a little bit different? You would have thought having been forgiven so much that he would have gone to this man and said, I've got to tell you how much I've been forgiven. And I want to extend that same type of forgiveness to you, but he didn't. And word got back to the king. And the king ended up throwing the man in prison because he was unwilling to forgive such a small amount when he had been forgiven so much by the king. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you are represented by the man Who owes the debt to the king? A debt that could never be repaid. We owe the debt of sin that we could never pay on our own behalf. We could not be righteous enough to earn God's favor, to cover our sin. And God in his mercy and his grace through his son's sacrifice on the cross extended to us forgiveness for what we owed. Jesus paid for that debt and gave us his righteousness. Therefore, we as followers of Jesus who have been forgiven so much should be willing to extend that forgiveness to others. In fact, as you look at verses 14 and 15, Jesus is going to emphasize this and nowhere else does he do this except on this issue of forgiveness. Why? Because we struggle. I think that's why. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to extend forgiveness because oftentimes in our minds, the person who needs forgiveness doesn't, in our minds, deserve to be forgiven. I want you to notice what Jesus in verse 14, emphasizing this, says. For if you forgive others their trespasses, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here's the reality for us as followers of Jesus, an unwillingness to forgive others means we don't understand what we've received through Jesus Christ. We don't grasp the forgiveness that has been extended to us when we didn't deserve it. And listen, I know that for all of us sitting in this room this morning, there are stories popping up in our minds, maybe things that we've endured that we would look at and say, Pastor, I don't know how I could forgive them. And here's the truth. In your own strength and in your own power, it is impossible. Which is why Jesus wraps it up in prayer. We desperately need God's help to do what he's talking about. We desperately need his help to extend forgiveness to people that we look at and say they don't deserve it. And when you wrap it all together, you realize the forgiveness that we've received that we didn't deserve. And you realize the Holy Spirit of God at work within us, enabling us to offer forgiveness to others in our minds who don't deserve it. How is that possible? It is only possible in prayer. Now you may ask the question, well, if I forgive them, Should they still be held accountable for what they did? And the answer is, of course. If I extend forgiveness to them, do do I have to be around them? Certainly. Set up boundaries as necessary. Well, if I extend forgiveness, what, what if I can't forget what took place? I want you to know that God doesn't extend forgiveness to us and say, it's all wiped away, never worry about it, it doesn't matter. In fact, what he did is he sent his son Jesus to step in and to pay the debt of that sin. He doesn't just wipe it away and say, don't worry about it. No, he sent his only son who was held accountable for your sin and for my sin, who paid the debt that we owe. And he says to us, seek the forgiveness that enables fellowship with God as we come to him in prayer. And extend that same type of forgiveness to those who have wronged you, who don't deserve it, who haven't earned it. But hear me this morning, it may very well be the only time 
they see on display the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Why would you be willing to forgive them? Because you have experienced forgiveness that you didn't deserve. You may be here this morning and there's someone in your life that you need to forgive. There's someone that you need to reach out to. There's a letter that you need to write. There's a conversation that you need to have. I want you to hear me this morning as a follower of Jesus. Your walk with the Lord ultimately will be hindered if you are unwilling to forgive. And I want to encourage you. Be willing to extend the same type of forgiveness that you've received today. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes as our worship team makes their way back up this morning? You may have come in today and as we talk about forgiveness, you've never received the forgiveness offered to you by Jesus this morning, his life, his death, his resurrection, forgiveness of your sin, forgiveness that enables you to experience a relationship with your creator, your father. And today, the step that you need to take is to receive that, to experience that forgiveness of your sin, to be brought into the family of God, not on the basis of anything you could do, but totally on the basis of what Jesus has done on your behalf. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus already this morning, and yet there's sin that is present in your life that needs to be confessed today. There's sin that is hindering your fellowship, your growth, and your walk with the Lord. Would you confess that today? Confess that to the Lord. Experience that forgiveness that was already purchased for you. But experience it right now. Maybe this morning as a follower of Jesus, you have withheld forgiveness from someone. And it is eating you up inside. Bitterness has grown as a result of harboring that unforgiveness. And this morning is an opportunity to forgive them. To experience freedom. To extend what you have received that you didn't deserve. Father, I ask this morning that you would work in our hearts. If there's one far from you this morning that's never experienced salvation through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of their sin, God, would you give them the courage this morning to respond, to receive that? Father, for the believer that is 
living right now in sin that's not been confessed, that's hindering their walk with you, their fellowship with you. God, give them the courage today to confess that, to experience that forgiveness, that rekindling of fellowship with you. God, where forgiveness needs to be extended, would you strengthen us as only you can to do that? And God, as a result of that, may the gospel of Jesus Christ be on display for a watching world to see. We ask that in your precious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Our altar is open. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to spend some time in prayer before the Lord. Our pastors will be down front. If we could pray with you, we'd love to do that. I want to encourage you to respond this morning as the Lord leads.